Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, April the 20th, 2022. It is currently 8.16 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the second story room above a street in Abilene, Texas, or I'm coming to you two stories above a street in Abilene, Texas. I keep messing up this new intro. I keep messing it up. I got so used to, for years, saying I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and now what I'm supposed to say is, welcome everyone, I'm coming to you live two stories above a street in Abilene, Texas. Yeah, that that because I'm, I'm coming from the second story room here in my house, which is above a street in Abilene, Texas, but... There you go. I does it really matter? I've got to find the right way to say it. I've got I've I've got to perfect it, okay? Until it just becomes well, common, right? So coming to you two stories above a street in Abilene, Texas. Yeah. Or do I say coming to you two stories above Abilene, Texas? That, that would be like I'm coming to you above the entire city. Now, there's just a street right here. Uh, if I look out my window, I see a street. To be fair, I see my yard. Two stories above my yard in Abilene, Texas. But I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas on this Wednesday evening. I know you don't really care. I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening. Whenever you may hear this, however you may be, wherever, whenever, however, we appreciate it. Thank you so very much. It is time for us to turn our attention once again to the very famous book, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. And we took a little detour. We took a slight detour. I thought it was an important detour. Now, I cannot tell for sure, but based off feedback, it wasn't a very welcomed detour. It appears that a lot of people either just didn't care, didn't appreciate it, didn't think it was important, but I think it was a very significant detour, and I'm going to mention it a little bit here. So let's let's put everything back together in some kind of chronological order, right? Because we do so many live broadcasts that it, be, it can be hard to kind of keep a track of everything and all of the different series and all of the things we're working on. But let me let me put this back into some kind of context, okay? On April the 13th, 2022, I did a podcast episode entitled Divine Comfort versus human comfort. Divine comfort versus human comfort. And the reason I gave it that title is because the chapter that we're currently at in the book, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, we are in chapter nine, right, of book two. Remember, The Imitation of Christ is broken into four books. We're still in book two. We are in chapter nine, and this entire chapter deals with the concept of comfort, but Thomas Akempis draws a, a, a distinction between divine comfort and human comfort. Let me, let me re- remind you how the chapter began. And I quote, It is no hard matter to despise human comfort when we have divine. It's not a difficult thing. It's not a hard thing to do to despise. You don't need it. You despise it. You don't like it. You hate human comfort once you have experienced divine comfort. And he kind of sets these two ideas almost against one another. Here's divine comfort. Here's human comfort. So I entitled that episode, Divine Comfort Versus Human Comfort. 
And in that episode, trying to we we were trying to get into the mind of Thomas Akempis. Remember, he wrote the Imitation of Christ over five hundred years ago, trying to understand exactly exactly why he was, in a sense, putting these two against one another. Trying to understand his perspective, I, I kind of raised a question in that episode that went something like this: Is human comfort a spiritual pitfall? Is human comfort basically dangerous to your spiritual life? Is there something about human comfort that can be very damaging, destructive, and dangerous to your progression as a Christian? Okay, so I kind of put forth that question. It didn't, again, it did not generate a lot of conversation. I think it should have, but I, even though it did not spark a lot of conversation, I couldn't leave it alone. I couldn't leave it alone. So I kept thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And as I was thinking, well, I ended up spending some time looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a motivational theory in psychology comprising a five-tier model of human needs often depicted as basically as in hierarchy levels. There's these levels, kind of a hierarchical level uh, within a pyramid. Sometimes this pyramid is called the pyramid of happiness, all right? So I was thinking, okay, this idea of human comfort, we want to be comforted. We want some sense of, of happiness and contentment and, and peace and joy. And we long for this, and we look to the, what we'll, we'll, we'll say, human comfort. We look to things of the flesh, things of the world to bring us this kind of comfort. All right? Uh Okay. Okay. Interesting. Someone who just got a new job said they mentioned the pyramid twice at my new employee orientation. Yes, this is this talked. This is talked about a lot. Um, in well, when I, I mean, I worked in the medical world for twenty two years. We talked about this a lot, and we talked about this. I, I, I mentioned we talked about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We talked about it in Airman Leadership School, the NCO Academy. Uh, this was a lot of discussion about, you know, trying to figure out what your troops what they need, what motivates them, what will move them, in a sense, up the the hierarchy of needs, what will move them up the pyramid. Because once they reach that self-actualization level, they'll become the best employees, the best troops, and they'll become better. But it's all about, in a sense, they have these needs. And if these needs are met, they advance, they move up. And it's kind of structured, and again, in a hierarchy. Here's the lower moving to the top. Here are these needs that everyone has. And the reason I kept going there is because Thomas Akempis drew this distinction between divine comfort and human comfort. I'm like, okay, we, we look to human comfort and we have these desires. Now, Maslow's hierarchy of needs says that these desires, these needs, they're a part of our, our, our makeup of, as human beings. So when I start looking at all of these needs, I'm like, well, wait a minute though. Each one of these needs in a sense, could be a source of temptation. We will either look to God, in a sense, to satisfy the need, or we will look to, or or temptation, temptation would have us fulfill these needs apart from God or in a way that goes against God's word. And so when I started looking at these hierarchy of needs, I connected it to the garden. I connected it to the temptation of Christ. 
And I, I just, I think I'm really, the, I think there's something super important uh, to this. Uh, okay, they wanted us to think about it in relationship to patients. Yes. Okay, that's very important that patients have these these specific needs. All right. So yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. Um, and and it would it would fit there as well. But from a from a spiritual standpoint, I just thought we have these needs and we look and I think temptation is to take the that temptation appeals to these needs and it gets us in a sense to move away from God. So we we've talked about them. If for those who don't know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, just so that you know, it's 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 in the shape of a pyramid. The bottom level is sometimes called basic needs. These are physiological needs. I think in the episode, I kept referring to them as psychological needs, but I think there's a psychological component to them. So I don't feel too bad for referring to them as psychological, but they're physiological to be fair. Uh, Food, water, warmth, and rest. Food, water, warmth, and rest. All right. These are basic needs, physiological needs. Now, there's nothing wrong with needing food. There's nothing wrong with needing water. There's nothing wrong with needing warmth and rest. However, because we desire this, we need this, we need that comfort of food, water, warmth, and rest, that can obviously be a very powerful source of temptation. And if you think about it, the first temptation with Eve was about eating something. Yes, the temptation of Christ was turning stones into bread. There was an eating component, all right? Over and over and over, you see how that can be used. This food, water, warmth, and rest. And then Jesus has to remind us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Desire the sincere milk of God's word. That we, and and one of the spiritual disciplines is fasting, that we deny ourselves physical food to focus on spiritual food. So I just think that there's, there's, a, there's a correlation here, how these basic needs, we seek comfort for, the, for, for these needs, a satisfaction of these needs, and that can literally, we should see sin and connection to these basic needs. All right, then you have safety needs, security and safety. Then you have belong, belongingness, and love needs, intimate relationships and friends. Now, this is sometimes referred to as a psychological need, this idea of relationships and friends, and you need people. Well, Jesus said, unless you love him more than mother, father, you have to hate mother and father and even your own life. You're not worthy of him. So see, it becomes a source of temptation. Then you have esteem needs, prestige, and feelings of accomplishment. Well, this becomes about ego and and a sense of purpose and a sense of accomplishment. Again, we will find, we'll seek comfort for that need, sometimes separated from God. And then you have self-actualization, which is where you finally reach the, the pinnacle of the pyramid and you achieve one's full potential, including created activities. You reach the top here, you have self-actualization, but it's, it's apart from God. So in other words, you can live a life seeking uh, human comfort to meet all of these needs, and it can just lead you literally away from God. And I think that these needs and this desire for comfort can be a source of temptation. I think temptation to sin is really a temptation to find human comfort in these basic needs apart from God. So I think in a roundabout way, 
Well, I mean, I, I could continue to take this apart. I, again, I, I was really hoping it would spark more conversation because I think there's something very much to this. But it's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. You can find it anywhere online. You can read about it. There's been articles and articles and articles and articles and articles. And I just think that it's interesting that in The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, written well over 500 years ago, in a sense, he begins to draw a correlation. Hey, here's divine comfort. Here's human comfort. And almost like human comfort could actually be detrimental to us. All right. So I'm going to go back to page 78 of my copy of The Imitation of Christ. And I'm just going to pick up and see how far we can make it. Um, Yeah, this chapter is long, but let's see if we can make it at least close to the end. Here we go. A man must strive much and long within himself before he can fully before he can learn fully to master himself and to draw his whole affection unto God. So Thomas Akempis in this in this discussion about comfort, this is chapter nine of book two. He he says that we have to strong much and long within ourselves before we can learn fully to master ourselves and to draw his whole affection unto God. That it t- requires a constant battle till we reach a point where our affection is to God, and so we want divine comfort. We don't look for human comfort. When a man stands on himself, he easily slides into human comforts. See, when we when we forget about God, we we in a sense we return to ourselves, and then we slide into to human comforts. We look to human comforts, human comforts, human comforts, human comforts. Again, he draws a distinction here. But a true lover of Christ and a diligent follower of virtues does not fall back on comforts or seek such sensible sweetness, but rather seeks a hard, seeks hard exercises and to bear severe labors for Christ. So a, 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 so a true lover of Christ, a true lover of Christ will, will, will focus on Christ instead of these human comforts that are sensible and sweet. He's going to seek exercises and, and be willing to bear the severe labors for Christ. Again, he's drawing that somehow human comfort is, is a source of temptation. It's, it's a spiritual pitfall because we're like, oh, I want... And, and again, it's based off these basic needs that we may have. The needs are not wrong, but the but temptation says, here, take that need. Now go satisfy it here in a human way. Don't, don't look to the divine because the divine way of handling these things is so opposite. When therefore spiritual comfort is given from God, receive it with thanksgiving, but understand that it is a gift of God, not your merit. Be not puffed up, be not too joyful or vainly presumptuous but rather be be the more humble for that gift, more wary to and fearful in all your actions, for that hour will pass away and temptation will follow. When consolation is taken from you, do not immediately despair, but with humility and patience, wait for the heavenly visitation, for God is able to give ample consolation. In other words, when you feel a sense of divine comfort, don't get arrogant, don't think you deserve it, don't think you've earned it, and be prepared because once that sense of divine comfort goes away, temptation comes right back, trying to point you to human comfort, which may pull you away from God. 
right? This is some very important concepts here. Now, we continue. This is nothing new nor strange unto them who have experienced in the way of God. For the great saints and ancient prophets oftentimes had experiences of, of such, in fact, let me uh, see the word that they use here. I'm going to give a different word here. I'm going to I'm going to see if I can explain this word here. They use, I'm going to change it up here. Um, they use, or Thomas Akempis uses, I'm going to give us, uh, I'm, going to get, I'm going to change it. Um, he's giving a word that means a change of circumstance or fortitude. A change of circumstances or Fortune, a change of circumstances or uh, of circumstances, a change of circumstances or fortune. So I'm going to read it this way. This is nothing new nor strange unto them who have experienced in the way of God. For the great saints and ancient prophets oftentimes had experience of such changes of circumstances and fortunes. In other words, anyone who's walked with God knows that you can go through these times where you feel great comfort, you feel close to God, and then you go through these times where there's been major change in circumstances and in fortunes, things may go really bad, which may greatly increase that need and that desire for comfort, which will be you'll be tempted to seek for human comfort to satisfy that. For which cause one, while grace was present uh, with him, said, In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. But when this grace was absent, what he found in himself, he goes on to speak of saying, Thou didst hide thy face, and I was in trouble. Now he's making reference to Psalm 36 here. So let's go through this again. So this is nothing new, this idea of feeling divine comfort, and then it leaves. And when it leaves, you're all of a sudden in the midst of temptation because now you have these needs and these desires and you want them to be fulfilled and you'll look to human comfort to do so. So this is nothing new or strange, right? For the great saints and ancients, prophets, oftentimes had experience of, of such great change in circumstances and fortunes, right? They, they experienced these, these wild swinging changes that would happen in their life. For which cause, now, now he's going to make a reference. Sorry, I had to sneeze there. Now he's going to make a reference to Psalm 30, I believe between verses 6 and, uh, through 11, and he kind of paraphrases here. For which cause one, while grace was present with him, said, in my prosperity, I said, I shall not be moved. So one day you wake up and you're like, hey, everything's going great in my prosperity, in this great time of, of grace and divine comfort. I shall not be moved. Nothing's going to touch me. I'm great. I'm, I'm ready to rush hell with a water gun. Everything seems to be great. But when the grace is absent, when everything seems to change, what he found in himself, speaking of the psalmist, he goes on to saying, thou didst hide thy face and I was troubled. Yet in the midst of all of this, he does not despair, but more earnestly beseeches the Lord. I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. At length, he receives the fruit of his prayer and testifies that he was heard saying, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord. Be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing and girded me with gladness. 
If great saints were so dealt with, who are we, who, we who are weak and poor ought not to despair if we sometimes, if we are sometimes fervent and sometimes cold. For the Spirit comes and goes according to the good pleasure of his own will, for which causeth Job, which caused Job to say, that thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him in every moment. Job 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 18. Now let's stop right here. A little bit wordy, but you get the idea. What he's trying to say is this is how it works. We go through these periods where everything's wonderful and then boom, drastic change happens. And then all of a sudden we feel despair. We feel a coldness, a a deadness, an emptiness, a loneliness. One of those needs of Maslow's hierarchy of needs becomes really pronounced. And what do we look for? We look for human comfort to satisfy it, to calm it, to make us content again. And that will pull us away from God. So if you think about it, the Christian life is a life lived where we're constantly fluctuating between being satisfied and looking to God's divine comfort and and looking to him to satisfy and fulfill and to bless. And then we, we fluctuate from turning to God to turning to human comfort to satisfy those needs and to give us some sense of comfort or peace or happiness or joy or whatever. And so there... The needs remain the same. We're either looking to God or we're either looking to human comfort and we fluctuate between which thing we're looking to at any given time. That seems to be kind of the life that Thomas Akempis is, or the struggle that he's putting, but it comes down to this comfort idea. It comes down to these needs idea, which I don't think we always, I don't think we have a, an adequate, I don't think we have enough discussions about this truth. He goes on to say, whereupon then can I hope or wherein ought I, I to trust, save in the great mercy of God alone and in the hope alone of, heaven, of heavenly grace? In other words, where, where, where then can you hope since we live through the, in this kind of this in-between struggle, we can only look to God. For whether I have with me good men or religious brethren and faithful friends, whether holy books or fair treati- treatises or sweet chanting and hymns, All these help but little and have but little savor when I am forsaken of grace and left in my own poverty. At such time, there is no better remedy than patience and the denial of myself according to the will of God. In other words, you can have, you can have everything around you. You can have, you can have the best Christian friends. You can have the best church. You can have the best worship. You can have the best theology books, the best sermons. You can have everything. But when all of a sudden, for some reason, that divine comfort, you don't feel it, but those needs start screaming at you. You need this. You need this. You desire this. You want this. You need this. You need this. You need this. You'll start, you won't look to God. You won't look to God. You won't deny yourself those things. No, you'll, you'll seek to have those things, those needs and those desires met, but you'll look to something human to meet it, which will slowly pull you away from God. It's interesting when you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That I mean, 
Why is it that the Christianity that Jesus seems to imply, I mean, it seems to be a biblical concept that we should fast is to actually deny us, to not deny ourselves some of those basic needs so that we can focus on the spiritual. We, we fast from food so that we can focus on spiritual food. Because right, right at an elementary level, the thing we have to, the very basic concept of Christianity is self-denial. Because if we don't learn self-denial, then those needs we will see. If we don't deny ourselves, then those needs will become the most pronounced voice within us. And in many cases, they, they, will, they will pull us towards, divine, for, towards human comfort, which removes us and turns us away from the divine, which puts us in a very fleshly and worldly state. I think there's something to this. I have never found man so religious and devout that he had not sometimes withdrawing of grace or felt not some decrease of zeal. There was never a saint so high, uh, caught up and illuminated, who first or last was not tempted. For he is not worthy of the high contemplation of God, who has not been exercised with some tribulation for God's sake. Temptation going before is wont to be a sign of ensuing comfort. For unto those who are proved by temptations, heavenly comfort is promised. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, Revelation 2.7. But divine consolation is given that a man be bolder to bear adversities. There follows also, temp- uh, there follows also temptation lest he should wax proud of any good. The devil sleeps not, Neither is the flesh as yet dead. Therefore, cease not to prepare yourself to the battle. For on your right hand and on your left are enemies who never rest. And that ends that chapter. A a very profound truth found in this. And, and, and I know I've just, I've tried to just kind of, what I've tried to do is just kind of throw out the ideas because I was hoping everyone else would say, okay, look, you, you gave me all of the pieces of the puzzle, but you didn't put the puzzle together. And then I wanted people trying to put the puzzle together. We have, think of it this way. You can, you can picture you standing in the middle, right? Think of inside of you. You have Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So you picture you, like if you were to draw a picture, you, you, you are standing right there in the middle of the page. Inside of you is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this physiological needs for food, water, warmth, and rest, the safety needs for security and safety, the, belong, the belong, belongingness and love needs, psychological needs of intimate relationships and friendships, the esteem needs, prestige, feeling of accomplishment, and then this almost this need of a self-fulfillment need that you have some sense of self-fulfillment, some sense of self-actualization, some, some sense of accomplishment, some sense of purpose, right? And all of this is built inside of us. It's, it's a part of us. Now, we're right there in the middle. On, on the on, on, if you're looking down at the page, so you draw a picture of yourself in the middle of the page, and then inside of you, you put the pyramid, 
There's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. On the left side of the page, you can put divine comfort. On the right side of the page, you put human comfort. Those needs, we, that we feel them. They're real. They're a part of every human being. But we're constantly struggling to look to the, to the human comfort to satisfy and fulfill and ignore the divine. Sometimes we'll look to the divine and it'll be great. And then we're back over to the human. And it's a never-ending battle. And the Bible is interesting because it, it carries this idea. Deny yourself. Die to yourself. Deny, die. Fast is a spiritual discipline. Fasting is a spiritual discipline where you're denying some of these basic needs. This idea of safety and, and security when Jesus says, look, you're going to be persecuted and the world's going to hate you. This idea of belongingness. Jesus said, you must hate mother, father. If you're going to be uh, Jesus, in fact, the Bible seems to go against all of these. Esteem needs. Don't esteem yourself. You're to humble yourself and esteem others better than yourself. Self-actualization and self-fulfillment is all about, no, no, not self-actualization and self-fulfillment, but God's will, God's glory is the highest thing. It's it, the, 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 the hierarchy of needs in us is all corrupted because of our depravity, and it's about us, 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 us. And sometimes what we do is we have this hierarchy of needs and we look to God to fulfill all of these needs when in a roundabout way, we, when we look to God, we don't look at him with this hierarchy of needs. We look at it with a completely different set of needs, which are all spiritual. In other words, what, what does Jesus say? Physiological needs? No man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. As a newborn, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You should desire God's word more than gold, silver, and the honey in the honeycomb. Safety needs. You should be willing to follow Christ anywhere. Belonging. You should love God above all everything else. Again, the, 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 can we call this the spiritual hierarchy of needs is radically different than Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But what's in us is Maslow's version. It's about us, 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 us. And sometimes we just look to God as the one to satisfy those needs, which in a little bit, a roundabout way, is kind of how Thomas Akempis approached it. It's like, we, we should look to divine comfort to fulfill these needs. But I think we should look to God for a whole different set, a, a whole different perspective on the needs. But every one of these needs becomes a source of temptation because we look to the flesh, we look, we look there. I mean, if you think about, think about Israel, food, water, warmth, and rest. As soon as they, they had these needs, they got mad at God. They got mad at Moses. We have no food. We have no water. You brought us out here to die. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt to satisfy these needs. Safety. There's giants in the land. We're all going to die. Let's go back to Egypt belongingness and uh, love needs. Well, they go into the land and people they were not supposed to associate with are supposed to intermarry. They intermarry and make uh, alliances with people they're not supposed to make alliances with. Esteem, they, they, they kept thinking about themselves more than God. And you can go through the Bible where all of these are constantly uh, the source of the temptation. 
There's more I could say, but I'm just going to stop right there. Yeah, I, I think I think we're just we're just scratching the surface here. There's just I just feel like there's something more here that we're not. It's it's one of those situations. Well, you 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 can start you can start second guessing yourself, right? Like I'm looking at this. I'm re- I'm reading uh, Thomas Aquinas. I'm reading Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm thinking of all of these biblical examples, and it's just like, okay, there's something here, right? Like I, I it's like we're at the ground level, and I'm like, okay, guys, we're we're onto something here. But it's one of those things that I think a lot of people are looking, going, I don't see it, I don't see it, I don't see it, I don't see it. And maybe, maybe that's because either I'm seeing something that I, that's not there or, or I'm not explaining it in a way for, for the light bulb to come on people's mind going, whoa, this is a significant, this is a significant principle and it completely revolutionizes the way I see myself, temptation, sin, and my Christian life. Or maybe you say, well, there's nothing new. I've heard all of this before. Maybe. I'm convinced there's something here. I'm convinced. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm convinced. I'm convinced that there's something here. I just, I am. I just, I think there's something to all of this. But before we know it, we're going to be, move on to the next chapter in the, in the imitation of Christ. And it's all going to be gone. But I'm going to find some way to bring all of this back. I don't know how and I don't know where and I don't know when, but I'm going to find some way to bring all of this back. I don't know where, but I just don't, I just don't think we can just overlook this. But I, I like the image of us uh, in the middle of a pa- uh, in the middle of a paper, draw a picture of yourself with Maslow's hierarchy of needs inside of you. And then you have divine comfort and human comfort on the left and the right. Something about that image captures me a little bit of what the, the Christian life is all about. At least I think it does. I think it does. If you can hear that, that's a pencil. I'm holding a pencil. Whenever I start thinking, I pick up a pencil. Whenever, whenever my brain's running like at a million miles a second, I, I always grab a pencil because at any second, all of a sudden, it's just going to, all these thoughts, are gonna, I'm just going to start writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. Not, not that necessarily anything I write down is good or, or worth anything, but it just, it helps get it on paper. But I think there's something here. I'm just, I'm going to just keep saying that over and over and over and over again. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. You know what? Uh, there's a lot of times I'll do a podcast episode. I'm like, whoa, I think, I think that was, I think we're on to something right here. I think there's something good here. And then you'll just realize nobody else sees that. Nobody else thinks that. And you're like, okay, well, sometimes what you have to do is just move on to the next thing. Sometimes that's all you can do. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if this sparks any uh, conversation. If you have any thoughts on it, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Obviously, YouTube comments are always open and the Discord channel is open. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if it leads to anything. But I think there's something important here. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. And uh, I need to put my glasses back on so that I can hit the right button to stop this broadcast. All right. Everyone have a great night. God bless.